Today's Old Testament lesson concerns the giving of the Decalogue, literally the giving of the Ten Words. And the church has come to know these foundational Ten Words of the Law of Moses as the Ten Commandments. And though given to Moses and the Israelites thousands of years ago, In the wilderness, in a very different world from ours, given to them as a part of and under the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments are nevertheless relevant and vital for us today as Christians, for us today as human beings. And I use the word vital intentionally, carefully. The word vital means of or pertaining to life. Pertaining to life. The commandments of God, in which the Ten Commandments are included, are a matter of life and death. And the commandments of God are unto life. All the commandments of God, whether prescriptive, thou shalt, or proscriptive, thou shalt not, they are all unto life. If the Lord commands us to do something, it is for our good. It will lead us toward him. It will lead us toward life. And if the Lord prohibits something... It is not because God is a cosmic killjoy. It is because that something will lead us into death. In the book of Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy meaning second law, as in the second giving of the law. In Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments are repeated. And at the end of chapter 5, this is verse 33, Moses says to the Israelites, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. The commandments of God are unto life. Abundant life, which is ultimately union with God himself. So let's just bring it home right here in the introduction. Do we believe that the author of life, that life himself, knows better than we do how life ought to be lived? That the Lord is good and that his commandments are good. And that's not something we become convinced of uh, by way of apologetic, by way of debate. We have to experience the living God in relationship. We have to, whether in prayer or in relationship with one another or in sacrament or in hearing the scriptures, the spirit has to awaken our hearts so that we become convinced 
in our bones, as it were, that life is found in God and that his commandments are unto life. We have to taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good and therefore his commandments are good. As we just said in the psalm, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant taught, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. More precious than gold. Powerball, knowing the commandments of God, commandments of God win. Would it win with you? Would it win with me? (laughs) In keeping them, there is great reward. There's great reward in keeping the commandments. However, the commandments of God are not kept by mere external adherence by ticking boxes, as it were. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses says, so this is Old Testament, right? We've got to get rid of this dichotomy of the Old Covenant was all about doing and the New Covenant was all about being. The Old Covenant's all about rules and the New Covenant's all about relationships. That's a false dichotomy. It's always been about both. What does Moses say? He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be on your iPhone. No, they shall be in your heart. It's always aimed at the heart. From Genesis to Revelation, whether the Old Testament or the New Testament, the commandments of God are aimed at the heart. They're aimed at the center of the human being and therefore at the transformation of the whole person. And the particular commandments of God are fleshing out the great commandments, which are to love God with all that you are, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The Ten Commandments, or any particular commandment, are the how to the what of the great commandments. In other words, the particular commandments are the ways in which we love or do not love God and our neighbor. And obedience to God's commands is the evidence and expression of love. As our Lord said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And it's the work of love itself. St. John writes, this is love for God, 
that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You want burden in your life. Do what you want to do when you want to do it all the time. In Christ is freedom. When we're convinced of his goodness and his love and that, that, his, that his word, that his commandments, that his principles, his precepts guide us into abundant life. Our Lord said of the great commandments, you've heard this a couple times. In fact, you hear it week in and week out at the entrance, right? He says of the great commandments to love God and love neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The Ten Commandments then map onto and are subsets of The great commandments. The first four have no other gods before me. Don't make or bow down to idols. Number two. Number three, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. The first four are mainly vertical in orientation. Our relationship with God. Our love or lack thereof for God. The second six are mainly horizontal in orientation. Our love of neighbor. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't lie. Don't mean basic stuff. Don't steal. So the first four mainly vertical, second six mainly horizontal. And I say mainly because love of God and love of neighbor are bound up together. The the two go hand in hand. 1 John 4.20, the man says, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen How can he love God whom he hath not seen? You cannot love God without loving your neighbor. Also, the the converse is true. You cannot love your neighbor without loving God. At least not in any Christian sense of love. Why is that? One reason is this, is that your relationship with God will have a profound effect on your relationship with others. More broadly, who you are in private, who you are naked before God, as it were, will have the most profound effect on other people. That's the most important. I I think we're usually taught the opposite. That what I do in private doesn't matter. 
It, it matters profoundly because that's who you are. Because human beings are not atomized individuals. We are connected to one another at various levels and degrees of intensity, whether familially, as family, whether ecclesially, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're members of the one body of Christ, or, or societally. So let's just briefly look at these first four commandments, which, again, are primarily vertical at orientation, and, and just consider how um, loving, God, keeping this in the background of our mind, how loving God and loving our neighbor are, are linked to one another. And it's right off the bat, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. If God is not first in your life, or second commandment, if you're worshiping idols, then rather, being a, rather than being a beacon of light to those around you, it, you actually become a sort of cloud of darkness. If you take the Lord's name in vain, that is not loving your neighbor. Now, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Of course, we should always invoke the name of God with awe and reverence. The name above every name, Jesus, should not be used as an expletive as someone cuts you off in traffic. Well, why? Because this is the name that all should and shall bow down to. That's why it's been the practice of the church, and maybe you've seen me do this, but it's, it's something people will do in the pews as well, that every time the name of Jesus is mentioned, a simple bow of the head is made. Because the holiest name, the name above all names, Also, that the name of Jesus is not to be invoked as an incantation. I think that would be an example of taking the Lord's name on your lips in vain. Lord, I want to win the Powerball in Jesus' name, amen. As if it's magic, it's sort of, if you guys remember the prayer of Jabez thing, just pray this prayer, things are going to go well for you. If you missed that, good for you. I wish I had. In the book of Acts, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, they, are, they have come to know, they're not Christians, but they've, they've heard that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so they're like, we're going to use the name of Jesus to cast out these demons. Well, the demons end up beating them, like literally, pretty bad. Because the name of Jesus is not a, a, to be used as a parlor trick. So flippantly using the names or the name of the Lord is, is certainly a violation of the third commandment. But I would contend that something like double-mindedness is closer to the heart 
of the commandment. To take the name of the Lord is to come into covenant relationship with the living God. A covenant which is not to be entered into lightly, half-heartedly, or merely externally. That is, to honor the Lord with your lips while your heart is far from him. What of the Sabbath? If you fail to remember the Sabbath and how this translates under the new covenant would be to make the worship of Almighty God a priority, but moreover to, as the writer of Hebrews says, to labor diligently to enter into that great Sabbath rest, which is perfect union with God in the age to come. So so just an example, if the worship of Almighty God is not a priority in our lives, if our concern is with this present age and we're trying to find peace and rest in the things of this world instead of in the things of God, in whom alone is there true peace and rest, then how is that loving to our neighbor? I mean, you can think about it in terms of your your family, perhaps. Because when we're talking about the worship of Almighty God, broadly, commandments one through four, the loving of Almighty God, How is it loving if in our, in the deepest part of who we are, how is it loving if by the way that we live, we're leading people to Egypt rather than to the promised land? Loving God and loving our neighbor are inextricably linked. It cuts both ways. The law of Moses in general and the Ten Commandments in particular find their fullness in Jesus Christ. So to understand the Ten Commandments and to abide by them, we must consider them in the light of the person and work of Jesus, paying particular attention to his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, in which he explicates the law. You want to know what the Ten Commandments mean? You want to know the meaning of the law of Moses? Well, Jesus tells us. The Sermon on the Mount functions both as a corrective of misunderstandings of the law as well as its fulfillment and expansion. I mean, the very fact that Jesus gave the Sermon of the Mount on a mount is meant to invoke images of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Jesus, then, is the new and better Moses leading an exodus out of sin and death. Jesus renews the covenant, expands it to include all the nations, and gives to his people, the renewed Israel, the church, he gives to them the law of liberty, as St. James calls it. And the law of liberty, the law of Christ, 
is the law of Moses fulfilled. And it is written, it is being written on our hearts by the Spirit. When we recite the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments in the Holy Eucharist, we pray, and like everything else in the prayer book, the prayers that we pray are not coming out of nowhere. They weren't written by AI. You know, they're coming from the language of Scripture. And often in Scripture, this idea of the commandments of God being written on our heart. You find it in various places. In, in Deuteronomy, which you heard, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Romans, Hebrews. But we, we pray, drawing on the scriptural language, Lord, have mercy upon us and write all these thy laws in our hearts, we beseech thee. The Ten Commandments are as vital and relevant today as they were the day they were etched in stone. The Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments, they form the basis, or have historically formed the basis of Christian catechesis and formation. And when we consider the Ten Commandments in preparing to confess our sins, whether a, a personal confession, whether a general confession, like we'll make in a moment, or a sacramental confession, meditating upon the Decalogue is wise because reading through the commandments, it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to offer us both a diagnosis and thanks be to God, a cure. And as we examine ourselves, or as the Spirit examines us, we are to be mindful, we have to be, of the person, work, and teaching of our Lord. Because again, these commandments are aimed at the heart, at the transformation of the whole person. It's not just refraining from the act. I was talking with my kids about this last night, about the Ten Commandments. Like, well, I don't really need to worry about it, Dad. I'm not going to kill anybody. I said, yeah, well, Jesus talks about that. But have you ever hated anyone? Have you ever had contempt for someone? saw them as less than. In biblical terms, this person's a fool. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a transformation of the human being at the center of his or her being, which is the heart. That's what the commandments are after, again. Even if you just think about the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. 
That's not external. That's internal. That you want or you might, you want something that someone else has in an unhealthy way, which can lead to breaking of other commandments. Well, I'm just going to go take what he or she has. But covetousness is in the heart. Brothers, brothers and sisters, the commandments of God are unto life, which again means that this is a matter of life and death. Moses, at the end of his life and ministry, said to the Israelites, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live. The Didache, an early Christian text, part catechesis, part customary, manual, it begins in this manner. It says, there are two ways, one of life and one of death, but a great difference between the two ways. The way of life, then, is this. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, your neighbor as yourself. Finally, there are more examples, but this will be my last one. Our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount speaks of two ways, of two paths. The broad road which leads to destruction and the narrow road which leads to life. And the narrow road which leads to life is difficult, our Lord says. It's difficult. But telling which is which is not. Being a Christian, walking, walking by the Spirit, putting to death what is earthly in us, it's not easy. It hadn't been easy for me. I don't think it's been easy for most of us. We can get things so murky sometimes in our modern culture of like, well, this is, eh, we could do this, we could do that. This is black and white. There's a way that leads to life, and there's a way that leads to death, and the two are not the same. There's a narrow gate, and there's a broad gate. Broad road's easy. The, the narrow road which leads to life is difficult. But brothers and sisters, we, we have the Spirit. And God gives us these commandments as guides, as instructions on how to and how to not love Him 
and others. And, and he, he writes us, he writes it on our hearts so that in the various and sundry situations of life, we can use wisdom to know how we ought to live and be Christ-like. The Lord is good, his commandments are good, and they are aimed at our good, which is abundant life in him. Brothers and sisters, may God convince us in our heart of hearts that he knows what he's doing and that he's good and that his word is good. Let's choose life. Let's choose the way of life and may God the Father by his great mercy, grant life unto us through his son, Jesus Christ, and by his Holy Spirit, who writes these laws in our hearts and gives us the power to keep this royal law of love. Amen.